Cosmic Frequency, Tuning into the Awakened Heart. This program is brought to you by Pranaluz Conscious Living. My name is Anna Lu and I am the founder of Pranaluz and host for the Cosmic Frequency Podcasts. Our podcasts focus on three main pillars, spirituality and social and environmental awareness. Our topic today is OM and the Sacred Power of Mantra. Shri Devi Bringi is our guest. She's a native of South India, where she received formal training in yoga, meditation, Sanskrit, and Hindu religious and spiritual traditions. As a retired faculty member in yoga studies at Naropa University in Boulder, she often invited classes and workshops at different festivals, YTT courses, yoga centers, on diverse philosophy topics, meditation, sacred Indian texts, goddess traditions of India, Sanskrit, among others. She has been co-teaching a course for the online Hanuman Academy on the five elements of yoga and has presented for a few years at the Hanuman Festival, Moksha Festival and at the Grand Valley Yoga Festival. She has also participated in several interviews and interfaith panel discussions on yoga and related topics through the Shambhala Mountain Center, Naropa University and the Legacy Foundation, as in other spiritual religious organizations and venues. She has a graduate degree in chemistry, atmospheric sciences and environmental education. And Shridevi likes to infuse scientific perspectives into the ancient Vedanta Yoga Tantra teachings and practices. Her prior teaching career is in chemistry and science education. In a newly published textbook entitled Beacons of Dharma, Sridevi has written an invited chapter about Ama, the charismatic hugging saint of India, including the three paths of yoga and the Shakti principle. I had the honor to have her as a teacher during my studies at Naropa University. Devi, how are you? Oh, I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Anna Lucia, I'm so happy to be in this podcast with you uh, and uh, to uh, reacquaint ourselves with each other since you were a Naropa student. Uh, I'm so happy to for us to connect again. Thank you so much. It's an honor, of course, and such a pleasure to connect with you again. I I was mentioning when talking to you before, I felt so inspired um, when I was in Naropa when I took your her sacred sound and Hinduism course, and and I I couldn't think of anybody else to speak uh, to speak more about this topic than you. I've been so inspired by your work throughout my bhakti path and everything that I've uh, mm. I've been sharing. So very happy to have you in this conversation mm. today. <laughs> I'm equally happy to be here, and uh, you really my mission at this point is uh, to uh, quicken the transmission that is possible through me as as a channel of the Indian heritage and the deeper teachings on yoga, on Sanskrit, on Tantra, that people who are yoga practitioners or those who are in the, you know, Eastern path in any way, including the music, the mantras, you know, the Kirtan, uh, Raga, Abhajan, uh, whatever it be that is catching on in the West in such a big way, uh, how can those of us from India, with the background and with training, 
be available and help to assist to um, to bring more of the authentic trend uh, and uh, guide guide in this journey where we are all rising together. Thank we you. Are, yes. Yeah. Thank you. That's beautiful. And you're such an instrument, like a bridge, like you said, uh, between the east and the west. So I I really appreciate your wisdom and your mm-hmm. and your knowledge and and taking the time to to share like you have been for all these many many years at Naropa and with many other students all over the the place and. Well, perhaps I wanted to, um, yes, to, to talk to you a little bit to begin with. Of uh, if you want to share with us what have inspired you to to come into this path. Oh, I have uh, not made any attempt to come into the path. I was born into this path, uh, so I come from a family lineage of uh, uh, spiritual teachers, uh, scientists, as well as yogis, and so. Um, my on my uh, mother's side, um, my granduncle, that is my grandfather's eldest brother, uh, was a very famous Sanskrit scholar and and uh, uh, used to uh, go to, was a guest at the king of Mysore's court at the at around the same time when Sri Krishnamacharya was developing modern postural yoga. Wow. So our family, you know, my mother and sisters, they were all the first generation of women receiving the yoga teachings in the home from their male elders. And so growing up as a little girl in that, you know, right from the 60s for me. So I've never had to go outside of my heritage to find this path. This this is what I have been born into, but also what I have claimed as my spiritual path in my later years, particularly, you know, after having come to America as a graduate student in the environmental sciences and my specialty of background more in chemistry. So bringing a strong scientific perspective as well, uh, which is, uh, you know, very common in the Brahmin communities in India and, and those who come here from the Brahmin communities and become, you know, computer scientists or, you know, doctors and engineers and so on. Yeah, I was one of the few women who came in the mid-70s by myself and was immediately asked in Columbus, Ohio to start teaching a little Sanskrit for the... There was a Kundalini Yoga ashram and there was a Sai Baba Center. And um, so, and I was doing yoga at home, so I was happy to open my home to those who wanted to come into yoga and, and do satsang with us and to sing every week. And I thought nothing much of it. You know, I'm sharing. I'm sharing our heritage. So yeah, such a blessing. Such a blessing. Yeah, but it's. I see that there has been a quickening on the path of, of yoga and the kirtan traditions in in the West, uh, which include, of course, you know, the Americas. So it's uh, there's even more of a responsibility now for people like me, who have a strong and rich background and have been teaching this and probably one of the few Indians yeah. who shifted professionally uh, from uh, you know, the teaching of, of chemistry to uh, uh, honor Naropa's invitation to me to come and uh, start the Hinduism program and then expand the yoga program, which was uh, really you know, all in the mid-2000s. And uh, the explosion of interest in yoga all over the West yeah. has therefore brought a greater need yes, uh, for teachers like me to step up and offer more. So that's really why I'm here. Thank you. Thank you for your, your service and your beautiful dharma in, in sharing all this beautiful sacred knowledge with us. <laughs> I feel so inspired by you. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation today. 
And perhaps um, maybe we can begin with the beautiful sacred sound of Om. <laughs> so if you want to mm. share with us, um, which is, is so important for all practitioners and, and yoga teachers. And I would like uh, to ask you to share with us a little bit about your vision of Om and how that also links mm -hmm. with the yogic liberation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I think it's best to just start by chanting a little Om. You know, oh, so I'm going to put my <laughs> instrument on here. This is a tambura. digital uh, tambura in the background and to give us the tonic notes. Thank you. And we're going to go through the component sounds of Om. Om is, is the reverberation of the ultimate reality expressed through sound. So Om can be viewed as a sonic metaphor of ultimate reality. And the uh, equivalent of Om as a word is the word Pranava. And in uh, yoga, this, especially in the Yoga Sutras, this word is very prominent. Uh, pranava, the ultimate reality, whose cosmic body is Om. And pranama, Pranava then is the ultimate reality expressed and felt through the life force, Prana. So you have Prana, ultimate reality, you have Om as sound, ultimate reality. So it's important to remember that both Pranava and Om are interlinked entities. Yeah. One coming through vibration and resonance and Nada or the inner sound current of Om. And Pranava coming through the awareness of breath and life force and consciousness of oneself uh, through breath. Om has three composite sounds. Ah. Ooh and mmm. And ah stands for the energy of creation, waking up. It's the waking consciousness. And we use our diaphragm and we push the breath and the volume of our voices, you know, very strong in the back of the throat, moving up to the whole Kundalini channel, really. And ooh is the sound of preservation. Uh, maintaining the universe, maintaining reality. And for oo, we move the sound through the whole mouth, from the back of the throat to the lips, which are rounded. And uh, it's the dreaming state of awareness, where we are somewhat aware that we are here on a spiritual path and, and, and somewhat not aware. And then we have mmm, the sound of dissolution, where the lips come together and the lips, uh, two lips represent the duality, normal dualistic consciousness. But when they come together, then that's the dissolution of duality going back to the source. Mm. So the three sounds uh, ooh, mm, represent the three forces of the universe, creation, preservation, dissolution. And the three states of awareness, the Upanishads speak of the waking state, the dreaming state, and the deep sleep state. In deep sleep, mm, we don't have a sense of separate self, but we are unconscious of it. And then the Om, the transcendental sound, which is waking up to our true nature. That is the liberated Atman. And so now we're going to chant it. Ah, Ooh. 
sensitive to the sensations within the mouth, the position of the tongue, the position of the lips, how we send our awareness, you know, in the waking state, that means send the awareness right from the belly, moving up all the way from the root chakra, bringing the energy up to the throat chakra. And then for the ooh, emptying out that sound right at the throat chakra, moving it forward and outward. It's maintaining awareness, maintaining consciousness, maintaining the reality of our existence. So everything moves outward from within. And then with mmm, taking that resonant deep nasal sound back inside the body, into the head and resonating through the whole human temple of sound. So these three sounds Ah, ooh, and mm. And the transcendental composite sound of om, which combines the ah, ooh, mm, and becomes a sonic metaphor for the three states of awareness sleeping, waking, and dreaming, and transcending those three to be the true nature of our being, to be that yogic liberated self, to be that purusha, to be that atman. That is also represented in yoga by the word pranava. So pranava, as the cosmic reality, the ultimate deity principle that is consciously made aware within us through our breath, the life force and awareness. Pranava is a combination of, of two sounds, pra and anu. So pra is, is the profusion, the multiplicity, how that one vibration that is the source vibration multiplies into language, into concepts, into frameworks, into theologies, and anu, the oneness. So that oneness, pranava, in the Yoga Sutras too, Patanjali then links pranava to Om, and he says, Om is the cosmic sound body of the deity Pranava. And as Ishvara Pranidhana in yoga, bowing to that ultimate reality, offering surrender and bhakti to that ultimate indwelling presence to all consciousness, that was called Pranava in the ancient days from the Vedas through the Upanishads. So Om and Pranava are linked. Om is cosmic sound and Pranava is cosmic breath. The awareness of the ultimate through conscious breath. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you, Shudevi. Thank you for that beautifully uh, said and, and beautifully felt. I felt it when we were chanting and thanks for that clarification as well. 
and perhaps um, since I am so inspired to these uh, bhakti path and kirtan path and, and mantra and the power of mantra, I would love you to share with us a little bit about mantra and how um, how the mantras serve as instruments to connect with the divine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, you know, when we speak of mantra, we also have to speak of tantra uh, to begin with. Tantra is is then the uh, the the teachings, the theology that underlie the whole tradition of uh, what makes a mantra sacred for uh, uh, honoring a deity, or honoring the cosmic geometry of a deity that we call yantra. So in tantra we have the devata or the deity, and we have mantra, and we have yantra, cosmic geometry. So tantra as the cosmic web, the web within which all that is needed, the tools for practice, tools for spiritual practice are given to us within this body of knowledge um, and practices called Tantra. So as Shiva Shakti Tantra then, it is the foundational basis for invoking both the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine principles to come into Holland's in our own being and within all reality. So mantra, is part of all of that. As mantra, it is the extension of the self mentally through sound. So manu uh, is a short for manas, which in uh, yoga cosmology is our mind. And so the, and tra uh, can be viewed as an extension, as an expansion. So in all of Tantric Yoga, we are expanding or extending our small sense of self to expand and become the universe. Tantra provides us with sacred links, practices that give us these links, these connections. And mantra is one such powerful sacred link, but mantra doesn't exist on its own. Mantra is always connected as with geometry, as well as the visualization of the cosmic forms or formless. To visualize formless is also a form. And, and so Tantra gives us the opportunity through the power of sacred mantra. And mantra as an extension of our mental consciousness using sacred sound it depends on uh, the perfect articulation and using the mouth as a sacred instrument. We have five tongue positions in the mouth that are consciously used in Sanskrita or Sanskrit as we say in English, but Sanskrita in Sanskrit, yeah. which means that which is perfectly well constructed. So a perfect coded language system that honors the sacred connection between my spiritual path and the goal of limitless mission, then mantra provides such a channel. And the correct enunciation using these five sacred positions of the tongue, such as ka, ga, ga, ka. So those are all in the back of the throat. They're called the guttural position. And then when we come to the palate, you have sounds, you know, such as cha, ja, ja, where the tongue is flat on the palate. Those are called palatal sounds. Then you come to the third position that is called the retroflex or the cerebral the tongue position where the tip of the tongue is striking the roof of the mouth, uh, such as hatha, hatha yoga, ashtanga, ashtanga, 
da, da. Those are hard sounds. Then we go to the back of the teeth, the softer sounds as in Spanish, ta, da, na. Yeah. And then we come to the lips. When the lips are used consciously and the tongue is simply resting, then we have the sounds like pa, ba, ma, which use the lips. So these are the five sacred tongue positions which then provide the basis of all mantra in, in proper articulation and holding that awareness. And mantra is transmitted through what is called diksha, a process of initiation by your guru in a guru tradition to their disciples. And this is how the ancient mantras were um, originally received, revealed, and then transmitted. So we are fortunate in the West to have this whole bank of accessible mantras. There are bija mantras or seed sounds for all the chakras and for the elements, the five elements, like the earth element. The, um, the bija mantra is lam, lam, and that's using the tongue, you know, right behind the teeth and um, making that gentle sound, la, la, la. Uh, and la is also about the bliss of the potency of our own nature, that which is lying dormant in the earth element, in the tamas guna, or in a state of potency or dormancy. So this way, these sounds, the seed sounds are linked to the attributes of the elements of the universe, mm -hmm. which are not only present in all creation outside of us, but are present in all creation inside of us. Tantra links the inside who we are on our inner being, consciously connecting it to the universal reality through this channel, this pathway or sound that we call mantra. There are deity mantras, such as, you know, Kali mantra would be Om Maha Kaliyai Namaha. Om Maha Kaliyai Namaha. Or it can be bija mantras. The deities have bija mantras, such as Kleem is a mantra for Kali. Om Kleem Maha Kaliyai Namaha. Mm -hmm. Where we can combine a bija mantra with the deity mantra. Or we have the petal mantras for all of the chakras along with the major uh, uh, elemental mantras. So when we move upwards from the Muladhara or the root chakra, we move upwards from earth, water, fire, air, and space through the bodily five chakras. Then we use the, the sacred seed mantras. Lam, vam, ram, yam, ham. So lam, earth element. Vam, water element, ram, fire element, yam, air element, hum, space element. And then when we rise even higher into the Agya Chakra or the third eye into the Sahasrara, we go into Om, the mantra of complete yogic liberation. Mm. Thank you for sharing the Bija mantras of the chakras. I, I, I love teaching them and thank you for mm. Allowing me to experience this with you. Mm, Thank you. Mm. Thank you. And and how important it is. I know you've been sharing so much and teaching a Sanskrit and and the different positions of the tongue, which I was telling to you before that I remember you saying that in class, the tip of the tongue, the tip of the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these positions are in every language system, but we use them unconsciously. Yeah. Because you know, all of us learn how to speak when we are infants, um, completely by just hearing and watching. 
And so we have no idea where to put the tongue and how to make that sound uh, consciously. <laughs> so, so Sanskrit being such a conscious language system, as are all of the other um, sacred language systems as Arabic and Aramaic and Hebrew and uh, Egyptian, uh, the original you know, Coptic uh, alphabet and its enunciation used to be also. And uh, so, you know, this, these, these are at the core of every conscious sacred language system. And so the liturgical practice and knowledge of every tradition contains this. But in India, it has been unbroken. And when the age of Tantra, which started to flower from the 4th century onwards and peaked between you know, the 9th and 11th centuries, uh, the age of Tantra brought forth from many uh, Hindu kingdoms all over India um, writings and uh, a surge of uh, interest in really bringing the, the tantric understanding into the arts and into dance, into music, into theater, and uh, the, into the texts, and into chanting and transmitting mantras for various, various uh, personal as well as spiritual purposes. And uh, the more deities we have, then the more opportunities we have to link to different uh, psychic aspects of our own being, as well as to different aspects of universal reality. You know, to go to Kali for dissolution of the ego, but to go to Lord Vishnu when uh, we wish to have our heart energy, we wish to add more of our energy to preserving uh, like where I am now, you know, in my aging phase, to preserve my body to the extent to which I can still use it for my spiritual work. Yeah. So that, so, you know, we have different deities which represent different attributes of universal reality and simultaneously represent different aspects of our own being. So in using these mantras, we are sanctifying our whole being. We are preparing these human temples to really be the resonant instrument of connection. And so the channel of mantra becomes extraordinarily important yeah. um, when used consciously. So it's an important instrument, like you mentioned, to expand mm -hmm. ourselves and, and mm -hmm. like an extension of ourselves and, and yes. to experience this oneness in, in such diverse ways. Like you said, I love that about in, in Indian tradition that yes. there's, there's a mantra for everything and that I can have this... Um, possibility to to use this as as a powerful tool to to reconnect and to explore this microcosmos connected to the macrocosmos. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. And and every tradition has it. We must not forget that. It's it's simply that you know yoga has become so a, a prominent uh, among the seekers uh, in the West who are looking to the East, and also those who first discover yoga as as fitness. Mm -hmm. uh, which also is a big aspect of, of Hatha Yoga, is preparing the body to be as fit as possible so that it can be a, a, a divine instrument for mm -hmm. consciousness. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't matter where, what, what it is that originally brings us to yoga. The key thing is once we are in the stream of yoga as well as in the stream of devotional music of India because the Krishna Das or, or because there was a little you know, kirtan or chant in the yoga studio. It doesn't matter what brings us. But once we're in, of course, our interest will deepen and we want to know more and we want to experience more. Yes. And, uh, 
And so on the path of bhakti, you know, for kirtan, kirtan uh, uh, in, in, in North India and in South India, we use the word bhajan more, bhajana. So bhajan uh, means to adore uh, and a kirtan means uh, a composition. Uh, so to sing the glories of the divine, again, the diversity, the, the, one, um, the oneness, which is always manifesting as diversity. So it's important to remember that all of the deity songs, whether we sing to Rama or Krishna or to Kali or Durga, we are invoking, again, that sacred connection to all of reality. Kind of like, holo, you know, in physics, we have the hologram uh, principle where uh-huh. uh, if you're able to view, you know, one part of something, then it gives you the characteristics of the whole. Just like a raindrop, if you examine yeah. it for content you're going to find the content of water hoh you know the mm-hmm. h2o um the uh, the bonds the links and mm-hmm. bonds chemical bonds will be there in in whether it's uh, a drop of water from rain or a drop of water from a river uh, so it's like that whole holographic consciousness mm-hmm. uh, uh, like the fractal uh, like a fractal of the of the whole right yeah like a fractal exactly a fractal yeah and i've done some research work a long time ago with the fractals as well as with water drops yeah as as my science background and so i like those examples to bring in so that we have a sense of why it is that a mantra or or kirtan uh what is it that they do you know they and then one they quieten the the chatter of the mind the background chattering the random thinking that is such an unconscious nature of mind starts to quieten down, starts to get channeled towards the mantra and therefore either towards the deity or towards the sound itself or towards the breath, towards the volume. Or if you're singing, then just the sheer beauty of of the tones and the ragas and the instruments and the voices. Uh, so quietening that background chatter then provides an opportunity for the mind to be able to experience Mm. its own nature so that we can even for moments be able to quieten those brain waves too the chattering brain waves which we call the the beta state of brain waves can come into the alpha which mm-hmm. is a quieter more alert and aware state where it's possible for us to visualize and have an intention to make a difference in my life what can i do to make a difference in my life how can i use a mantra or or a song like you know whether a, a simple a simple chant like namashivayam 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 Om Namashivaya Om Namashivaya Om Namashivaya Om Namashivaya Use nine or one mantra and what it starts to do immediately the, the chattering mind gets calm, the emotions come back into withdrawal, you know, our limbic system which is Really, our emotional mind starts to quieten down. Those brain signals of heavy emotion all start to quieten down. 
we can come quicker into a space of equilibrium within ourselves, which is so vital on the path of yoga, so that we can start to practice that vairagya, the detachment from the clinging to, oh, am I thinking about this now? I have to get that done now. Oh, mm-hmm. that person really bothered me today in yoga class. Or, you know, why are they singing so loudly? And, you know, all the things all around <laughs> us. Yeah, to come into equilibrium. And in that equilibrium and, and the start of that vairagya, the start of detaching ourselves from, from clinging to the feminine world, because that is the path of yoga, is completely detaching. Yes, yes. But we have to start somewhere. That's why the Yoga Sutras give us tools of apara and para vairagya. Apara is, is more a beginning level, temporary type of detachment. Maybe while we're singing one song, we are detached from doing anything else. Or while we're chanting a mantra to Lord Shiva or or Kali, then for those five minutes or ten minutes, our mind is quietly in an alert way focused on the mantra. So that would be called more apara vairagya. It's, It's a material level detachment. But gradually these practices take us along with asana and pranayama and mantra and kirtan and walking and running and and watching the mind quietly in meditation all of these will take us to a more sustained detachment paravairagya transcendental detachment and the paravairagya is kaivalya that is yogic liberation yeah being only the seer the witness consciousness of the experience thank you for bringing that and beautifully said and i wanted to share with you also for me, when I chant, I feel like um, always connecting from a, uh, from the heart space, and I always I always feel it's such an expansion of my heart uh, heart mm-hmm. space, and you know through these vibrations is where I feel like this oneness and these expansions. So mm-hmm. I feel for me it's such a devotional and heart focused practice as well, right? So I feel yes, this- yes. So bhakti bhakti yoga is the surrendering of our little self you know, to to the deity or to the music or to the teacher or to the practice. And, and so that devotion, which comes only from, you know, hiti and surrender, and which is such an integral part of our nature. Yes. This is all these we are, attributes are, yes. Our our essence. Essence. Yes. Yes. Just but so then constantly our, forget. <laughs> yeah. But when we live in this uh, dualistic, more competitive uh, material world, we forget those parts of ourselves so this is the beauty of what these kinds of practices you know through the bhakti yoga practice of of bhajan kirtan uh, mantra uh, we are automatically brought back to that that part of our nature which is always there it just doesn't get tapped often enough yes completely and when we feel that in a group that collective engagement with bhakti is very powerful Totally. In a group scenario, it, it completely re-enhances the experience as we're all sharing and connected with the same intention. Mm. For us, for, as a family, you know, for us, we've been on the path of Amma, this, this amazing uh, global humanitarian uh, teacher from India. And yeah. our path of bhakti very much includes uh, kirtan and mantra, you know, bhajans. And so, you know, I want to share one one little a song with you that yes, uh, please. Mm-hmm. Um, you know uh, we as a family were very inspired to learn 
um, many years ago in the early 90s. Uh, this is this honors the Divine Mother of the Universe, and uh, it says in Tamil, you know, you who are the mother of the universe. Yeah, you who are the mother of the universe. There's <laughs> nothing more to say beyond that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Amma amaye Akhilandeshwari niye Anapurneshwari taaye Adiparashakti niye Amma 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 taaye Akhilandeshwari niye Anapurneshwari taaye Oh, Adi Parashakti Niye. Oh, Adi Parashakti Niye. Oh, Adi Parashakti Niye. Oh, Adi Parashakti Niye. Amma, Amma, Amma Taye. Amma, Amma Taye. You who are the transcendental, ultimate. Power of the universe. Beautiful. Transcendental Shakti, the feminine force. You who are all that. You know, and this is the, the core of what yoga brings to us is simultaneously we can link to that transcendental reality, knowing that anything we think of ourselves or anything others think of us is always too limited. We are beyond all limitation, beyond all names, beyond all forms. And so uh, when we can sing of that, you know, keeping a, a human embodiment, a teacher like Amma, you know, in our minds, or when we can keep a deity in our minds, or we can keep, a, you know, the divine light in the heart. You know, you were talking about how your heart opens to all this. Just keeping a soft glow of you know, golden light in the heart as we sing and radiate that in all directions. So we can more and more begin to experience the self within us expanding, connecting, you know, just reaching out in the bliss of who we are. Mm. Thank you, Shudevi. And thank mm. you for, for, for enlightening us with these uh, teachings. We're giving us this perspective that is deep that we can access throughout these tools to really connect through the practice of yoga and a much more wider and broad perspective of what yoga is, right? And just not only the, the simple workout or physical form, like you said, that prepares mm. us, prepares our mind, prepares our body for, for the deep work, for, the, for this deeper connection. Yes, yes. Thank and you. that's why in the, in the eight limbs of yoga, as we proceed from asana and pranayama and pratyahara, going then into the... Uh, into the subtle limbs of yoga, you know, dhyana samadhi, a stepwise preparation. So the mm -hmm. um, the gross level of our consciousness, which is more our sensory mind, is starts to get um, trained and awakened to then work with our egoic mind or ahankara, uh, so that we we um, discover a lot about how we relate ourselves you know how do we relate how do i relate to me um mm -hmm. we, because we so, know so little about our own minds and mm -hmm. we 
learn more about ourselves through others, which is why we're in so much. We need relationship in order to find out about ourselves. <laughs> yeah. and then we move into buddhi or, or the faculty of discernment. So yoga is about preparing us on our journey to move from sensory mind, manas, into purification of the egoic mind, ahankara, and then to leave all of that to embrace the buddhi of discernment, which then takes us beyond mind into, mm-hmm. into samadhi. So mm-hmm. the established state of samadhi, where we can engage with the world from a state of complete detachment from that paravairagya, then whether we sing a song or we engage with the mantra um, mentally or, or verbally, all of it, the practices themselves don't matter anymore. But it is the essence of the all these practices that are taking us on this journey. And uh, yes, you're right, we need more authentic and deeper teachings. And to keep in mind this tantric worldview of balancing the sacred masculine and sacred feminine principles in each one of us, the Shiva and Shakti within ourselves. And yeah, so that, often... Perhaps if you could share us a little bit about that, because I know this one of your passions to share this teaching. So I would love to hear what you have to... Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, we're going to Shiva being the the principle of uh, pure consciousness, uh, that which is, we might call it more the static aspect of reality, though we know nothing is really static and nothing is really dynamic, everything is always one. Uh, but it's the, uh, the ability of our minds uh, to engage with the world in a dualistic way, because that's how we are hardwired. This is why we have two hemispheres of the brain and why our bodies are symmetrical. Uh, so that, you know, the right half of our body then in uh, tantric yoga is considered our masculine side and the left half of the body is considered our feminine side. And uh, so the right half is more the solar principle and the left half is more the lunar principle. So the uh, the whole subtle anatomy of the nadis or the yogic channels too uh, can be thought of as... Uh, solar and lunar, or masculine and feminine, and not to be confused with the, the gender of the body as such. Yes. These, are, these are polarized principles that are essential to life itself, electromagnetic principles, just as a magnet has a north pole and a south pole, and an electric current has a plus or a minus. So this is about um, the solar Nadi on on the right side of the spine then is the pingala or the activating solar or the male principle and on the left side the the left channel um, next to the central channel is called the ida or the lunar channel in the cooling side and this through the cerebrospinal fluid is called the sushumna which is brings about the equilibrium between both and so the separation and witnessing and experiencing reality as dualistic is our inherent nature. And, and Tantric Yoga acknowledges that and honors that as the polarities of existence. Yes. So it starts with small things such as being able to um, maintain our equilibrium, whether we feel hot or whether we feel cold, or to observe uh, how we can maintain equilibrium, whether we feel sad or whether we feel angry. So the polarities of our emotions and feelings and sensations are built in 
to the cosmology of yoga and into the step ladder of what we call Sankhya cosmology that yoga uses, which is a dualistic step. You know, a step ladder has to have uh, two, two, uh, <laughs> two strong supports for yes. you to have the steps on it. And then we have to be able to kick away the step ladder when we're done with it. So Tantra gives us the tools to acknowledge and accept the polarities of emotion, of existence, of our minds, of our outlooks, of our worldviews, of our habits, and then to transcend them. Yes. To go into the core of them and transcend them. The Shiva Shakti uh, principles or the sacred masculine feminine principles to be acknowledged and harnessed in order to for us to work with uh, with these polarities. When I was young, um, I remember when uh, you know, as children, when we would be very angry about something with our parents, uh, my father's the garden and say, "Come on, we're going to sing to Shiva now," and so <laughs> we would we would go into song or or we would you know he would guide us through through a cooling pranayama, and and so. Uh, or we would run very fast around the block and sit under a tree and start chanting ah, ooh, mm, and om. Uh, so there would be a, an intervention with the yogic practice in order to break up the chaos and the complete unconscious engagement with the runaway emotion, you know, with the runaway reaction to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is part of how these practices help us and mantra and and kirtan are essential tools that can interrupt our normal unconscious patterns uh, mm-hmm. and that is true whether it might be kind of an addiction to to a substance or to a way of thinking or if it if it be a brooding you know and a deep state or if it be a highly agitated restless mind uh, it doesn't matter what are the temperaments, you know, the three major temperaments are called the three gunas in yoga, tamas, rajas, and sattva, moving from inertia into activation and then into more the harmonious, luminous principle. Um, all of these these three temperaments are interplaying and working with the scaffolding of yoga uh, through sankhya and uh, and then, then we kick off the stepladder. Well, then these three gunas no longer have any mm-hmm. uh, hold over us. We yeah. become gunatita, beyond the hold of the gunas, where we can go into kaivalya, or yogic liberation, which mm-hmm. is what ultimately Om represents, being that resonant power of sound and what we call nada yoga, the yoga of the inner sound, that's another a big aspect of using mantra and kirtan is to attune ourselves to the inner sound, whether it's be the, the sound of our heartbeat, the mm-hmm. sound of our breath, just the sound of fluids moving through the body. And gradually we become more and more tuned to even finer and finer sounds, sounds that you can hear when you close your ear, you know, your ears, for instance. Um, there's inner sounds that uh, will start to activate so there is this whole aspect of awareness connected with sound. Mm, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes, this invitation also to start observing this, right? I think, as you said, it starts with this awareness, even if it's a glimpse of a moment that we mm-hmm. are able to tap yes. into our own inner nature and yes. calm the down. Yeah, that attachment, 
that detachment which comes moment by moment, you know, insight. As you know, insight is a good word, complete word, and mm-hmm. be able to know more about how how we know. Yeah. To, to know more about how we see, how do I experience? You know, even a simple question like, how do you know uh, that um, you know you're going to feel this way? Uh, how do you know that somebody is going to react that way? Where does that knowledge come from? And to simply ask the question, you know, how do we know what we know? So through mantra and kirtan um, and meditative practices, yoga can bring us to a, sp- a spacious mind where we can pose these questions as part of self-inquiry, as part of jnana yoga, where the question becomes the contemplation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the pause and the silence, uh, we're in, we receive answers. Mm-hmm. And, and that becomes our insight and that provides us for the tools for vairagya or mm-hmm. or starting that process of detaching from unconscious clinging to all impermanence mm. you know this but it's a step-by-step journey and we have and why the collective is important is we get you know we need we need one another as support to say am i doing the right thing you know do you see something making a difference and in, in how I behave towards you. and um, So we can check in with one another. This is the power of the community, the Sangha, yeah. can mm-hmm. happen uh, you know, through yoga and the teaching and learning of yoga. Okay. And yoga teachers as well as students can travel together in this collective stream. Such a good invitation, I think, for this moment, Ishudevi, to, to join in community in our Sangha and support each other in this in this precious time that we're having also right here, right now. This is on community, you know, through, through the power of the, the mother of space itself. You know, she's the cyber mother <laughs> connecting <laughs> yeah. us through the web, right? The tantric web. Yeah. Tantra, one of the meanings is web, the cosmic web. So here we are in the, in the cyber web, we are connected. Mm, that's why I named my, my podcast a, a Cosmic Frequency, like this frequency oh. to tap into, to connect. Very nice. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Very nice. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here as part of your podcast. And uh, Analu, I applaud you for having your dedication to offer this series, weekly series to the yoga community, um, you know, all over wherever people are tuned into podcasts. Thank it's you. It's really a global consciousness, a shared consciousness. And um, having such podcasts, the coronavirus precautions, makes us all uh, link more consciously as a global yoga community. So I'm very grateful to you for giving us this opportunity for us all to gather and collect. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing your, your wisdom and your heart and all your teachings uh, with, with everybody. Um, like you mentioned before, you know, it's such an important moment to, to, tap, um, to tap into our paths of service, of how can we serve one another with our sharings, because we all have all these beautiful gifts to share and connecting with one another and sharing them with everybody is um, a beautiful service right now, right? It is. While we also ourselves 
uh, do a better, uh, better job taking care of our own needs. Self-care is something that is a huge need, um, you know, uh, in the more crazy lifestyle of the West, and especially with our uh, consumption of uh, electronic um, appliances and media, and yeah. you know, and I'm I'm at fault too. Uh, you know, either we're constantly looking for new messages on, or looking at Facebook, or or what do I have to attend to now online, and so to be able to break away from those kinds of the newer engagements that are also can also become unconscious. Thank you, Sudhir. And become huge distractions. So how to consciously detach uh, from uh, um, the overuse of media as well and give ourselves some breaks. Mm-hmm. So while we collectively support one another to be who you we are, because without our authentic presence, then the power of yoking, you know, through yoga to to connect to this ultimate divine journey uh, cannot happen if we cannot engage from where we are. Yeah. We have to be our, where we are. And that is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And it changes in community. We are able to inspire each other and support one another because the very gift of being, the very gift of our presence is the ultimate gift. And so may we continue to have this inspiration. And, and in that vein, I want to share a, a, a Sanskrit verse from the Upanishads, uh, which talks about the giving and sharing. Uh, it mm-hmm. is aimed at uh, teachers and students in the old ashram days of, um, say, 1000 BC or so. Mm-hmm. But it's very valid in every yoga studio and in every yoga community. Let us share in harmony and in peace let us dissolve any conflicts that arise and let us uh, feel the power of teaching and learning and being in community. Om Sahana Vavatu Sahana Bhunaktu Sahaviryam Karavavahai Tejasvinavadhitam Astu Ma vidvishavahai Om shantihi 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 Now let us honor this whole journey of yoga is the journey from duality to non-duality from darkness to light and from death to immortality let us chant that sacred verse also. Asatoma. Can I chant yes. it with you? Please chant it with me. Om Asatoma Sadgamaya Tamasoma Jyotirgamaya Mrityorma Amritangamaya Om Shanti Shanti and the last one may all beings in all the realms of consciousness be happy may all beings everywhere be happy loka hasta sukhino bhavantu loka samasta sukhino bhavantu loka samasta Sukhino Bhavantu 
And finally, the whole transmission of yoga is only possible because of the teachers and the gurus. So we honor all gurus, all the teachers in our lives, and all ages, and all civilizations. Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om Hari Om Beautiful Thank Beautiful. you. Oh, I love chanting with you. Oh. I haven't done that in seven years or eight years. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, well, we'll do more. We'll do more. We'll do way. more. We'll have to do more. I'll return. Yeah, you are a very joyous being who is bringing so much of this uh, deeper uh, knowledge and practices of yoga and kirtan to a wide community. So I honor you and offer my blessings for your continuing work oh thank you dear teacher thank you mm. thank you oh it's been such an honor to to speak with you and and i would love you also shadevi to share with us um the work you're doing right now because i have so many students and and perhaps just practitioners that would love to maybe connect with you and follow your work so if you want to let us know a little bit of what you're doing right now that would be great uh, yeah, well, um, my website is a start to go to, shaktiinstitute.com. And also my YouTube channel, and there are uh, a few recordings there. Uh, there's a, a lovely short video called The Power of Sacred Sanskrit. And uh, there's another short video on the goddess epic. So the, the deeper Shakti teachings are what comes from uh, the texts and traditions and the festivals of the goddess in India. Um, and I also like to uh, uh, share about the Upanishads, uh, you know, the sacred dialogues uh, that bring beautiful um, metaphors and examples and stories and very feisty conversations on the nature mm -hmm. of the self. Uh, so I'm developing a series of uh, uh, professional videos on some of these talks, getting ready over the next few months. There's been such a, a so much online interest uh, because of the shutdown, um, and uh, I don't know really uh, how deep and how far this work is going to take me. Uh, uh, and I'm just available for what I can do with the time and energy I have. I've also produced a, a short video on the uh, women mystics of India, you know, from ancient to modern. Beautiful. And I will, uh, yeah, I will put that also on YouTube soon. Mm. And, and I'll be sharing all your, your information also here on the notes Excellent. of the podcast. Right, right. Yeah, because I've gotten more interested in, uh, in, the, women, in the women's journeys. And uh, not only for myself as a, a woman from India, you know, transplanted in the West. And how have I, over these 40-some years, been learning how to transcend both East and West and, and form really a new identity of a transcultural, uh, if you will, and a trans-religious identity uh, that goes beyond, uh, you know, our initial boundaries of who we are. And uh, my children also have been raised in this, and my 
and my daughter Sheila, you know, teaches all the, mm-hmm. the bhajan and kirtans and raga professionally at Naropa University and online. So people can um, go explore her too at uh, shebrings.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely share her, her link as well. Um, Good. And many of my uh, <laughs> deity teaching videos will be on her website as part of what she's offering to the public sure. so that people can get uh, more knowledgeable about the deity teachings and the tantric teachings while they learn more about mantra and kirtan. And I hope to have you sometime in Costa Rica uh, and, and in Bali one day soon. So have you joined me? Yes, yes. As you know, my, my clock is ticking. So whatever I can do in the next few years is good. And... Um, as the divine allows, and as my um, uh, teacher Amma's grace, uh, her blessings have been for me to uh, remember that teaching is my sadhana. Mm. And also, she had said, you know, her work in the world uh, is to establish shakti in people's hearts, to mm. awaken that powerful conscious power within ourselves, to experience ourselves as the yes. fullness of who we are. And she said, you can help me in that work in the West. Mm, I, I love and, and honor Ama as well. So thank you for sharing mm-hmm. your, your teachings. So, this is all very good. This is all <laughs> excellent. And uh, people can leave a message on my website if you want more information. I mean, I have handouts and audio teachings on uh, sacred Sanskrit and, you know, many other things. So I'm happy to connect with people and assist in uh, giving them some tools. Thank you. Our Facebook message is good also. Would you like... Uh, to share with us about the yoga nidra that you are working on, that you've been working for so long. Yes, indeed. So a major guided meditation practice within tantra yoga, uh, tantra yoga is called yoga nidra or yogic sleep, which is a contemplative practice that is guided. Uh, and there is progressive relaxation through the five koshas or the five levels of our being moving our awareness from the physical body and into the senses and into the breath and and then into the emotions and then going deeper into the visualization of our nervous system um, and allowing our monkey mind to come to rest where we then start to witness really what our mind is doing and we can begin to work with that um, awareness of detachment as the witness. So uh, I have some um, guided uh, video practices of Yoga Nidra. Um, there are, I think, two on my YouTube channel right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there are more on my Facebook page, uh, Sri Devi K. Bringi. Uh, so, and there's also a short uh, audio track you can download at my website uh, when, you, when you go there to register at the website. Uh, Yoga Nidra is... Um, uh, a wonderful practice to to work with the polarities of our being. Mm-hmm. And so the whole uh, Shiva Shakti, the, the balancing of these principles we've been talking about, can happen systematically and progressively within Yoga Nidra, where we are consciously working with the polarities of emotion, of sensation, and of attitudes, and vasanas, samskaras, and the bringing in the divine essence into each one of them mm-hmm. through through awareness, through guided awareness. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to 
make sure to tell you about that. And there yeah. was Amma who sent me, you know, she sent me in India to go study it in the uh, early 90s, uh, mid-90s. And the Swamiji who uh, initiated me into both beginning and advanced yoga nidra and further practice in the Bihar School of Yoga, then blessed me to uh, teach the authentic practice in America to all who seek it from me. And so this is what I've been doing for about 25 years now as a major practice that I guide and teach. Beautiful. And mm. I can't wait to, to learn more about uh, Yoga Nidra mm. with you. It's a practice I, I absolutely adore and it's mm. been so helpful for me in my personal life. And like you said, it, it does bring that natural balance of the Shiva and the Shakti within. And, mm. Mm, it's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for, for doing yeah. that and for sharing that with us. Thank you. Sure, sure. And, and before I finish, before I let you go, I would love, I would like, um, if I may, to ask you how, what is your perspective? Of, what do you feel is a conscious being? And how can we as conscious uh, beings uh, impact our, our collective? We are already doing that. And um, uh, the more of us who can... Um, awaken uh, to living consciously which means something as simple as you know I eat a banana and uh, I have to consciously decide what I'm going to do with the peel and <laughs> yes. uh, you know more lately I have a, a little willow tree in my garden that has been uh, infected by um, aphids and so I am uh, taking banana peels and burying them around the tree uh, as I found out from my chemistry background that <laughs> the uh, uh, the chemicals in the banana peel will uh, work on the aphids. Uh, so it's it's the conscious thing about a piece of paper or, or how much the water is running in the faucet and, uh, um, you know, what can I do on my part? So yes. I have been an avid um, activist on environmental issues ever since, you know, I was a teenager in India and uh, my master's in chemistry work was on the environmental up. Uh, pollution in the rivers of India um, and what we can be doing more uh, over there. Um, and then in America, my master's in atmospheric chemistry was looking at um, the pollution from uh, coal mines and how they're affecting the uh, forest ecosystems. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so it's uh, this has been a passion for me. And you know, I'm into everything from composting and organic gardening and making our needs uh, simpler um, by making our wants simpler. You know, I don't need to own uh, even 10 pairs of shoes. You know, I can manage with five. Well, in India, I manage with two pairs. <laughs> <laughs> so some of it is, you know, the, the being able to really cut uh, the Western uh, way of consumerism, uh, consumerism, which of course in in, in uh, USA is very very strong, a capitalist economy uh, that is built on uh, uh, more consumerism, and and so the degradation that is happening to our mother planet, uh, from the perspective of yoga and the sacred roots of yoga, yoga has evolved with this. Uh, environmental awareness with this link to the sacred uh, that is part of mother nature and the um, Upanishads and Vedas are full of 
glorious descriptions. I mean, the deities of the elements and the, and the deities of water and, you know, all the rivers are visualized as the body of Shakti herself, the goddess. And all the mountains are seen as Shiva himself, as pillars of consciousness. So this is this, such a sacralization of our linking to the environment that is an essential attitude and outlook within yoga. So if we can start to reclaim this consciously and in, you know, in yoga classes and in small yoga communities, there can be projects that have to do with planting trees or being able to recycle this and recycle that or be able to assist in people making shifts in their habits, habits of, you know, having 24 hours uh, heat and 24 hours air conditioning and 24 hours running water, things that are such luxuries. Um, so even, so awareness like that or driving, you know, how much should we drive and what type of cars and do we, how can we get away from that type of lifestyle? So we are lucky to be surrounded by cells all around us that can build this conscious living. Um, and yeah. so I uh, applaud you for using these themes in your podcast. And so people can awaken to it and there can be conscious outlets to say, well, here is, you know, can you support this group that is planting a tree for, you know, every every child, you know, that graduates, you know. So, you know, little things where even the type of masks right now, you know, what type of masks that can be made that uh, is going yeah. to be is going to be easier on the environment. Changing our attitudes towards food, particularly the eating of meat. You know, how much of our rainforests have to be destroyed in order to have pasture land, you know, for livestock and the pollution that comes uh, from the uh, excessive engagement with with meat unconsciously so you know food and diet and lifestyle this is all part of yoga it's all part of yoking our yeah, awareness totally. to the divine that collective mm, thank you for uh, reminding us that and thank you for sharing and oh it's been such a pleasure to reconnect with you again uh i send you all my love i enjoyed your class so much i really hope i can see you again and and i'm very happy to share your wisdom also here through this conversation to many other people so that also many others can benefit like i did from from your beautiful teachings Shudevi, so. mm. oh thank you so much Analu. i'm so happy to be part of this podcast such a beautiful soul so thank you again and to all the listeners I'll be sharing um, Sri Devi's uh, information here so that you can also um, learn from her and from her beautiful sharings and this beautiful bridge that she is uh, between the east and the west and what and how honored we are to have you also on this side of our, <laughs> of our planet to uh, to teach us all this beautiful sacred knowledge. So thank you again. And uh, for the listeners, I hope you enjoyed this beautiful conversation and I'll be sharing more podcasts with you soon. Namaste. 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 Om Anandamai Chaitanyamai Satyamai Parame Anandamai Chaitanyamai Satyamai Parame